coming up. What an excellent day for a house call. Well, howdy folks, and welcome to Minute 84 of The Exorcist Minute, a show where we endeavor to examine, extrapolate, and excavate The Exorcist, minute by terrifying minute. My name is Lester Ryan Clark. And I'm Keenan Diaz. And we'll be your holy guides on this journey through what some have called the scariest movie of all time. Okay, so our minute begins with Chris saying, you could do it yourself. And then ends with Carl saying, you want those drops. <laughs> <laughs> try, that, try that one more so time. What, no, well, I was doing that on purpose. What oh, he okay. actually says is, it wants no straps. But yeah. I, had to, I had to listen to that three or four times to put the <laughs> subtitles on. <laughs> oh, Carl, you've been in this country for how many years? <laughs> I have never had to say these words in that order before. <laughs> that is, yeah. There has never been a situation where... That it has wanted no straps. <laughs> exactly. I thought he was saying mouse traps, like the rat traps, or something. It wants mouse traps. Yeah, I was like, it it is mouse traps. Yes. <laughs> oh, back to like the rats in the attic thing. It's yeah, like, exactly. So what what is it? Yeah. So I had to go back several times. And interesting. Have it translated. <laughs> Madam Reagan wants the popular Parker Brothers game Mouse Trap. She saw the commercial and she is she is pitching a fit in there. <laughs> it's mouse. Trap. <laughs> Captain Howdy's just fascinated by this this game that is not a game. This game that doesn't do anything. You set it up. You don't play it. You just you just activate the the little uh, what's it called Rube Goldberg machine uh-huh. and watch it play out once. <laughs> and then you're done and then you lose the pieces and you never play it again <laughs> i've never yeah i've never played it i think my parents probably saw the commercial were like well that's just gonna get everywhere <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah we had it we never played it mm. we we built it we activated it i think it was once we lost one piece <laughs> and then we never played it again that's the problem with the rube goldberg device mm-hmm. yeah you need every single piece you need every single, single piece yes. yeah well anyways I, so he's not playing mousetrap carl no. he's no. Talking about the demon straps, I suppose. Yes, the, the demon wants. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, wonderful, wonderful way to, to start this minute. Nice, <laughs> nice to meet you, Carl. This is Father Karras. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So if you haven't watched the movie recently, yeah, he, he um, the we get like a sort of a point of view. Oh, that's at the end of the thing. Anyway, yeah. we're jumping to the end of the minute. Sorry, right. I don't know if we need to, but like, yeah, we get this sort of point of view of um, of Karras as he's looking at Carl, and Carl doesn't say anything. He doesn't say hello. Yeah. I am Carl. I run the household. <laughs> he just says, is one of the albums. Karis is like, what? She turn, he, he turns to Chris. So, this is your problem, right? This is this is the thing I came for? Is this your daughter? Because <laughs> <laughs> she is crazy. Yeah. First of all, she's dressed like a Swiss butler. <laughs> no. Thank you for recognizing my Swissness. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Yeah, right. <laughs> so the first and only person who who, who calls him Swiss. Yeah, right. All right. Um, but yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we 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 are getting ahead. Let, let, let's let's uh, let's get back uh, right. to that park bench mm-hmm. at the top of this minute, where where Karis is explaining to Chris that even before an exorcism can be performed, the church has to do an investigation, and that takes time. And he continues, he's, you know, he's saying, meanwhile, your daughter, Mm -hmm. but here, Chris interrupts him in an unusually heartbreaking way. I don't, I don't know why it got to me, except it just seems so childlike. It's as if Chris is, is a child trying to reason with an adult, like during a tragedy. Like, mm-hmm. like, oh, but grandma will come back, right? Like, right. it's just like, uh, it's like, so like a- around when Karis says the word investigation, Chris stops listening and you can see the gears start to turn with this new idea that she's just come up with and, and which she immediately shares with Karis like, oh, oh, I know how we can solve this problem. Like, like Keenan, I don't know if I have the words to say why this is so gut-wrenching right here. Mm-hmm. Like this little hopeful voice that she has, it's, it's not guided by any strong emotion it's actually very different from the stuff she does before or after and i think that's that's one reason it it gets to me it's so real it's like mm-hmm. oh yeah y- y- 
you you could do it yourself. Like like she's clinging to the hope. Like maybe he doesn't know this. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe if I tell him this, he'll agree. Or or it's kind of like like oh you don't have to tell the church. You you could just we could just we could just do this. And that gets me every time I watch this. And I can't pin down why. It's it's just like so real and so different from the rest of the scene. And so quick. Like it's it's not even acknowledged. It's just it's like we we move past it so so quickly. Right. A lot of her tactics in uh, some previous scenes, even though she loses a lot with these other doctors, right? Mm -hmm. She tries to match their energy, match their status sometimes, right? Try to go higher status than them. Like, what the hell are you all talking about, et cetera? Mm -hmm. And it feels a little bit like she wants to do that again, but just doesn't have the energy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Like, she is... She is running on fumes and i think mm-hmm. i say that again uh somewhere here in the notes but yeah that's 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 the term that that kept on uh coming up to me as i was watching this like running on fumes mm-hmm. really um and yeah folks get a look at how damien responds like not not just his words but look at where his eyes go they turn away from chris as he responds right remember we had ended our last minute with a big question a question about how damien actually feels about his faith. This whole movie, this whole book, I've, I've always read it rather simply that, mm. that Damien is having a crisis of faith. He's losing his faith and all his thoughts and actions are informed by his want mm-hmm. to believe, but his inability to do so. Well, you know, he confesses that to Father Birmingham, right? Exactly. I think I've lost my faith, Tom. So. Right. So it's right there. It's, it's on the surface. And I, and I thought that's, that's all this was. But now... Mm. As I'm watching this closely, I'm seeing little hints, little examples of how Damien responds when his prayers are answered. Mm. And it's interesting to see, at least at least in this case, that he seems to be responding with fear. Fear that perhaps God does exist. Mm-hmm. That like this is this is completely new for me, folks. And and we'll see how it plays out as we go. It's something I was unprepared for, and I want to see how it uh jives with my uh, thesis of this whole thing, but but looking at him now, as he looks away from Chris when he says, "No, I couldn't," it certainly seems like he's talking more to himself than to Chris. At least, <laughs> at least, at least, let's say say it's like fifty fifty. So I know it's a new hypothesis you're working on, but just to think about this a little bit. So Mm. in your conventional reading, which I've shared with you, Mm -hmm. uh, it is like, oh, I don't know if anything I'm doing in my work really matters, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Psychiatry doesn't seem to work and certainly um, uh, ministering doesn't seem to work, right? Mm -hmm. And then my mother dies and that is like proof that um, God doesn't exist, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's usually how we read it, right? Mm. And and so now in this new version, how does that work? So it's like, okay, I... I'm, I might be realizing that God does exist. And so then he, he creates this world and sets these things in motions where, where my mother dies alone in the hospital. Right. Mm -hmm. So if God does exist, that's even worse in some ways than if God does exist or doesn't exist. Right. Yes. Yes. Mm, That's very interesting. Yeah. There could, because there's not only that, but then there's, then, then there's the fact that he has to answer for, um, the part that he played in Uh his mother dying. Right. Oh, right. Uh huh. And that's a that's that's a horrifying thing, right? Like he's going to so at some point, if if there is a God and there is a heaven and his mother is up in heaven, mm-hmm. he's going to have to face her at some point. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's that's a, a, a terrifying um, idea, mm-hmm. and it it just like I I think now again, folks, I'm working on this, I'm workshopping this. Um, you're you're getting you're getting it as it's forming. Um, <laughs> this is Lester on the road and previews out of town. <laughs> yeah. This but, is the raw uncut. <laughs> but then um don't we get an intimation later on that he fears his mother is in hell rather than in heaven? Hmm. You Are know, we talking with, about like the, the mother demon, the mother sucking co- or your mother is here in here with us and all that stuff? Yeah, I think I think beyond just the I think the your mother sucks cocks in hell is I think clearly just a like uh, a taunt like mm-hmm. your mother sm- smells of elderberries and your <laughs> what was it? We, and your we, father we, was a hamster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we fart in your general direction, right. but I, I, but I think it starts to creep. I don't know. But maybe we'll look at it and see if I, my memory of it isn't quite as strong as that. But but yeah, the idea of her being with them in there and then um, the demon able to conjure him. I don't know. I, I sort of get the idea that that's like. How, oh, I just had a revelation. Oh, a revelation. <laughs> a revelation. But it's for the next minute. But I got to oh, write okay. it down or I'll forget it because okay, I don't remember write it down, anything, write it down. anything oh. I ever say. Uh, can, we get, can, we, can we pause for a yes, second? Yes, yes. We're, we're going to break. 
for Keenan. Guys, this is this is the Revelation. This is yes. the book of Revelation. Yes. <laughs> All right, we're back. And we're back. <laughs> All right. Um, and I think uh, to just to, uh, I guess, um, put a pin in that and mm-hmm. uh, and then answer your question here, Keenan. Um, well, yeah, I, like I never read it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I always thought that his two fears were either A, um, uh, there is no heaven and his mm-hmm. mother is nowhere. Right. That's pretty bad. Yeah. Or B... Her his his mother is in heaven, and he is he is unworthy, and he's not going to be able to to face her. Mm-hmm. Um, I never got the the idea about like I I know that the demon is hinting that the demon mm-hmm. is like oh she's in here with us, and you know your mother's here with us, you know, and all mm-hmm. this stuff. Um, but I it 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 at least from the book and mm-hmm. um and may- maybe I'm carrying this over into the movie as well. Oh yeah. But um I always saw it as as Karis seeing it as this demon is taunting him with all of these voices. Mm-hmm. And it's still very effective when the demon speaks in in his mother's voice, but he yeah. knows he knows that it's not his mother, but it's it's just it's so close to the heart that it still affects him. Right. Well, mm-hmm. you know, I would I would point back to that dream that we have of uh him awful dream running into mm-hmm. his mother on the on the street and she comes she ascends from the subway and you know with That's her true. grocery bags and like so like it's like hey i'm coming out from hell to see you and call out for you and then i have to go back down again oh that's a yeah that's a hmm okay i'm gonna have to yeah we're, we're gonna have to examine this mm-hmm. um but i think that, mm, there's another yeah we're getting ahead here folks and, and i don't want to <laughs> but i i want to i want to also there is there is something about i believe catholic doctrine that mm-hmm. is that is also that is answered um in that deleted scene you know with, mm-hmm, with the two mm-hmm. priests on the steps right um uh, about the fact that a demon possessing you they can't your soul is never in danger right mm-hmm. and that's a that's a big thing that i think a lot of uh people um miss when mm-hmm. when they watch this they th- they think that like if the priests lose then reagan is going to go to hell right but that's that's never like according to catholic doctrine um and i could be wrong but i don't think that is the case i, right. I don't think the demon can actually like get your soul right um, well she she's not going to go to hell but she's not going to heaven because she is not baptized and is not accepted ah, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so she's an unbaptized child and so she'll just go to purgatory don't worry about it mm-hmm. don't worry about it folks she'll just be in purgatory will, forever <laughs> i wonder if keenan i wonder yeah. if it's like you know exorcism happens mm-hmm. goes off without a hitch Chris is standing there. It's like, well, Father, now that you're here, um, <laughs> do you have like a two for one? I mean, you got the holy water. You got well, it, it's sort a, of. It's like, <laughs> it doesn't really have holy water. A whole, you got it like only by email. Only by email. You gotta. <laughs> we gotta set up an appointment. She's literally on her laptop. She's like, oh my god, I can't believe that. It's like you're literally right here. I can't just ask you to do it. <laughs> It's like no, no. It's ha- it has to go through the, the church oh, yeah, website. We it's need like, a mm, schedule. Like, There's a room. We need to book a room. Right. <laughs> They're just sitting across from each other on on that little, um, mm-hmm. you know, coffee table. And then, and Father Marin's like, it's like, oh, I just got a notification and accept. <laughs> All right. And uh, I was like, and, and just um, uh, PayPal or uh, right, exactly. Venmo. No. <laughs> she's like, like, all right, let's let's uh, let's. You, no, she's like, do you take PayPal or Venmo? He's like, we only take Zelle. Zelle, <laughs> what the hell is? It's another app. You have to, I have to download another oh, app. Eighty eight apps. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can delete this Behringer Clinic app can, <laughs> and foundation and foundation. <laughs> I, had to, I had to download two apps. <laughs> for the same hospital. The same hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and at the end, Marin just like and uh, you know and um, you know while you're here, if you could just leave a five star. <laughs> Uh, 
Oh yeah, yeah. On the on the uh, the priester app, right? Like you you rate the priester priests for the exorcist, and, and it's spelled P R I E S T R. Right. There's no there's no E R. It's just R. It's priester. Right? Yeah. You you rate the priest, and the priest can rate you back, which is right. not nice, right? So so they would give Reagan like one star. She has, <laughs> she has a terrible terrible rating. Vomited all over me. <laughs> I had to bring two cassocks. We're not. We don't. We don't do the cleaning up afterwards. That's not right, us. That's, that's not us. No, no, no. That's extra. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Howdy, very thorough demon. I will say, very thorough. Yeah. Played along with my with my holy water when I couldn't get the real thing. <laughs> very very cooperative. <laughs> I mean, you went through all this trouble. I, 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 <laughs> right. Like, I get I get the gist of it. We can... <laughs> look, look, look. You know, this was once my first time as well. Karis, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> We're all on the same side. Well, not <laughs> no, really, <yeah>. but... <laughs> <laughs> We're in the same business or yeah, the same yeah, line yeah. of work. Right, right, right. I might run into you again. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so, so yeah, so um, yeah, a lot of lot of stuff um, to talk about with Karis uh, in future minutes, and I'm mm-hmm. excited for that. But yeah, so so back back at this minute, back at this park bench, mm-hmm. right? So Karis turns back as he finishes up. He says, "No, I couldn't. I mm-hmm. need church approval, and that's rarely given." Yeah, I think that's really interesting, right? So in the script, and I, I imagine it's from the book, his mm. response is, look, every priest has the power to exercise. Mm. So that's cut out, which makes sense to me, because when if he says every priest has the power to exercise, I'm like, oh, great, he's going to be the exorcist, you know, whatever. Right, so right. That, so we cut that out, which is great. Um, so he says every priest has the power to exercise, but he has to have church approval. And then, mm-hmm. frankly, it's rarely ever given. I think that's a really interesting Maybe even a slip up. Like I don't think he's really thinking about what he's saying by by saying that. Like, why not say they never give it? I mean, because they never mm. give it, right? Right, right. When was the last exorcism? Right, Robbie, Robbie Rowe. Right, yeah, the Robbie, the, yeah. the the little boy who um, Roland Doe, Robbie Rowe, etc. <laughs> the yeah, little yeah. boy who was uh, who was exercised that became the basis for um, Blatty's book, right? Right, yeah. So yeah. why not just say never? Why yeah. why give her that little ho- you know that little glimmer of hope at all mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by saying yeah. rarely? Right. It, mm, yeah, that's, I mean, that's a good question, right? Like, and it's, and it's all it hinges on, on one word, right? You could say rarely, mm-hmm. you could say never, right? Right. Um, yeah. I mean, I, other, other than like, he is being completely candid with Chris, right? Mm-hmm. And he, he, she has asked for his help. She has, she has called upon him to, to be, to, to kind of like shoulder this burden and mm-hmm. he is he is he is being a hundred percent completely open mm-hmm. um uh, you know even to the point of it's like it's like hey can you do this thing it's like well i don't want to do this thing but <laughs> technically i have to say yes i can do this thing right where right. yeah he could have he could have kind of leaned a little bit on the the bureaucracy of the church mm-hmm. and says like yeah yeah we just don't do that anymore right right that doesn't happen yeah. The end. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who who are you? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so yeah, that, that that's a good catch, Keenan. Rarely versus never. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um now and, and speaking to that, so Keenan, we have talked before about how groundbreaking this movie is. We talked before about how before this movie, nobody was thinking about exorcism. And after mm-hmm. this movie, everyone, everyone and their mother, Danny, uh <laughs> was thinking about exorcism, right? Mm-hmm. It was the most unique horror film of its time. And right. Keenan, I think it still is because now amongst the slew, mm-hmm. the spew of <laughs> um, exorcist movies about mm-hmm. demons and priests and possessions and, and all that popes. stuff. The and popes, popes got an exorcist Yeah, nowadays. now we got a popes exorcist, right? <laughs> You'd think that would be the biggest one, right? <laughs> yeah. All that stuff. Even now, this is still the only one that I know of, where getting an exorcism is difficult. Right. <laughs> right? This is the only movie I know of where an atheist has to convince a priest mm-hmm. that they need to do an exorcism. And this is the only movie amidst the hundreds of movies it has spawned to feature the 
bureaucracy of the church in this way. That's really interesting. Yeah, because we're gonna we're gonna get into the bureaucracy and like the the everyday priestness in, in a couple of minutes. Well, I don't know, mm. like ten minutes, I suppose. Yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's really, really super um, uh, a good point there. So, like hmm. the bureaucracy, like you know, I don't, I don't know when we started hearing about this. I suppose when, like, um, you know, I, I, I remember as a kid, like hearing about when Pope John Paul II died, mm-hmm. and like, like everyone was like, well, he needs to be a saint, like mm-hmm. right away. Like this right. was a man who really, really lived the life of Christ and like forgave the very publicly forgave the man who shot him, right? And, right, right. And uh, you know, and just, just like he's, he's, a, he's going to be a saint. But then um, people are like, oh, it's actually like a ten-year waiting period, and they have to, um, we need to, um, we need to uh, verify miracles that have uh, happened. And um, there are people who I don't know if you know this actually, Lester. Mm-hmm. Like, like there are people who are. They're, you know, when they're trying to get, say, Pope John Paul II or uh, Mother Teresa uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. beatified, I think is the word, to be sa- sainted. Oh, that, ma- beatified or maybe maybe canonized? Canonized, yeah. I like know, one of those. Like there or are neither people, of those. <laughs> yeah, there are people, there are advocates, like who will mm-hmm. go um, to people's bedsides and be like, hey, you should be praying to Mother Teresa. And mm. and then if they're cured by this, then um, then that is a verified miracle from Mother Teresa. So like that is that is there are people who because they want to canonize or beatify these people, you know, and through the bureaucracy, they want to prove it as quickly as possible. So they actually will like advocate for their their saint and, you know, their their saint in in waiting and go and like try to try to get that on the books as soon as possible. <sighs> <laughs> So you're not a fan of that, huh? Again, folks, <laughs> I was raised Catholic. I, I, I consider myself a Catholic. But this is one of those things where this is such a human thing. Mm-hmm. This is such a – we, Keenan, we joked about like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> Give Mother Teresa five stars. Right, uh-huh. So that she can have like, I don't know, a better place at the table <laughs> up there. What are we doing, guys? Well, it is a very human thing. So, like, if you're a follower of Mother Teresa and now she can become Saint Teresa, then, you know, then her order would get more, you know, more power and influence and money and cachet. And then they can go and do all the good work, you know. Look, the look, better, look, look. They have a better chance of helping people on earth if Mother Teresa is a saint. I'm all about <laughs> recognizing... Uh, folks who have done good deeds mm-hmm. and and calling them saints mm-hmm. right like in 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 more in more than just like oh thank you for doing this you're a saint honey like you know <laughs> like not that i mean i right. mean like actually recognizing them as as good humans mm-hmm. i don't know but it rubs me a little bit the wrong way when suddenly we're implying that there's some kind of i don't know like ranking system up there mhm where it's supposed to be the last shall be first and the first shall be last and mm-hmm. da, 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 you know, and, and everybody's, you know, we're all like, what's go- what? <laughs> what does she get? <laughs> well, she doesn't need anything. She's up at the That's right hand of the, of the father, right? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> no, but her order <laughs> and her and her legacy and the things that she stood for now mean something more because this is not just Mother Teresa. This is Saint Teresa. Right, down here. It means, yes, it, yeah. yes. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, and, and we look to her like, oh my gosh, look mm-hmm. at, you know, this this person who who gave of them gave of themselves gave mm-hmm. and gave themselves you know so so um, uh, selflessly great <laughs> Lester you, you host a podcast um, <laughs> but you know and and that is that is uh, um, a human being that we should strive to be and mm-hmm. that person was once a living breathing you know human being and they've mm-hmm. gone from dust to dust and but like while we are here on this planet we should we should we should all try to be like this person and that is why we call them a saint mm-hmm. but then then okay you die and you go up there and there's like i don't know a roped off area <laughs> the the saints club or something <laughs> well okay <laughs> <laughs> and she comes I, I, out. She comes out onto her balcony, and all the other, all this other, like like plebs are <laughs> no. with her with her little iPhones, and we're like, oh, there she is, Mother Teresa. Oh, she's, she's like, oh please sign my sign my uh, Bible or, or whatever. Uh, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna back away from this <laughs> argument here. 
<laughs> my my point. <laughs> well, and then I did look up while you. I had I had time to look this up while uh, <laughs> my rant. So beatification is yes. confirming that someone is in heaven. Okay. And so you have to have that before you were canonized. So that is, you know, I pray to Mother Teresa, my prayers are answered. So there's a step to it. And so, okay, she's in heaven. And then canonization is the process of becoming a saint. But you have to, you have to be beatified first, right? Confirm that you're, you're up there. Otherwise, it's not you're right, amongst canon. The- <laughs> but anyways, but that's, that's part. Let me get back to the exorcist yeah. here before you get us in trouble or something. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> It's, it's, I get like folks. This this is so fitting because you got you got the angry Catholic over here. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I'm the atheist saying like, who's, hey, who's just hey. trying to be respectful <laughs> and, and and recognizing everyone's faith. And I'm sitting over here. <laughs> but but my point is like I was thinking about that when you're talking about the bureaucracy because it's mm-hmm. it, that you know that those news stories about the Pope passing or mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. or Mother Teresa passing, like those were my exposures to the bureaucracy of the church to think about, yeah. oh, there's like processes and orders. And there are, um, you know, obviously the Catholic Church has politics. The Catholic Church used to be a kingdom on earth that ruled right. part, you know, huge chunks of land in, um, in Italy and France. And the Pope right. was both the spiritual leader and... Um, and the the not that they would say it, but the king of the papal states. He was the ruler. Yeah. He had power on earth as well as in in heaven. Yeah. So, like, obviously, you know, but we don't like to think about like politics with the church, right? But no. but here there are like yeah, bureaucratic politics of like mm-hmm. we want our saint to be to be canonized because that has like big lasting repercussions. Or you know, even in a way that's maybe not as as, as cutthroat, right? Pope Francis mm-hmm. being the first uh, the first Jesuit priest. That's the order right, that Caris right. belongs to and that mm-hmm. Marin belongs to. Mm-hmm. Um, like that has political ramifications that the cardinals who elected Francis must have been taking into account, right? Whether that right. is positive or negative or neutral. Um, right, to have right. the very first Jesuit or, you know, the very first non-European pope. Right, right. right. And then and then Pope Francis gets in there and he starts saying things about inclusion and <laughs> and all the all all the uh, all the cardinals are like ah just like, ne- <laughs> never again we're never not getting a again. Jesuit in here right there is there is again I'm not, I don't have any firsthand knowledge of what the cardinals are thinking but the speculation <laughs> I've I've read is that for after Francis there's there's like two directions like to go back and find someone who's like Pope Benedict who is rather conservative or. Oof. To go, to go, um, to go, continue on Francis's line, but then to also maybe a, a, a compromised candidate who would be like, you know, people criticize in America, like identity politics of right. finding a pope from Africa or Asia, which mm-hmm. are, um, you know, where the growth in the Catholic Church is now. Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the Catholics are losing population in North America and Europe. Um, or I guess in throughout entire Western Hemisphere, but if we can get right. an African priest who's also conservative. That might mm-hmm. be this, you know, this uh, this um, consensus candidate. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they think about this all the time. So I mean, there's, there's actual politics involved there. Um, so when you're talking about like, oh yeah, the bureaucracy of this, that's that's potentially like a subject that we're about to see. That does. I had not that had not occurred to me until you're talking about it. But like, we often think about a lot of the the really important films of the '70s being about like. 1970s political paranoia, like right. the failure of systems. That's what the French Connection is about. Um, all the president's men, like these, mm-hmm. like these forces beyond people's control. In that case, like Watergate, that are affecting people. Right. Um, Chinatown is mm-hmm. about that. Um, more the Godfather Two is about that than the Godfather mm. One, right? Um, yeah. About like people controlling. Um, you know, that's about the Cuban revolution, yeah. <laughs> right? And, uh, and you know, and, and how the Cuban revolution is partially caused by the Corleones, you know, right? <laughs> right? And like things behind the scenes you hadn't thought about that, that people are pulling the strings like, on you, right? Yeah, so I hadn't really thought about that, the exorcist fitting in with that. But yeah, with, with Chris versus the bureaucracy, that, mm-hmm. that certainly makes sense. There. Oh, uh, one for the cuckoo's nest, right? right about like institutions right. failing people. And interestingly, we've already sort of had... Um, a uh, a shade of like systems failing, Chris. Mm-hmm. We we're talking about right the clinic and foundation. Yeah, right? I don't know why I didn't really think about that as fitting in with those movies. Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, I, I guess because 
maybe we're, we're going into this m- movie knowing that it's gonna fail already. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? And we're, ju- we're just kind of like waiting for everybody else in the movie to catch up and, right. and, and like realize that these doctors don't know nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like you're saying, like a lot of the other, the, the followers of the exorcist, the Pope's exorcist, et cetera, mm-hmm, you know, right? it's not about the atheist trying to convince the Catholic Church to get rid of its red tape, right? It's really easy yeah. <laughs> to get these, these uh, exorcists off the ground. Right, right. It's almost like... Chris is in the wrong movie. Uh-huh. She, she needs to be in one of these new movies where where it's like the first sign of trouble. Like we hear noises in the attic and boom, Father Marin is at the door, right? <laughs> Mrs. McNeil, I'm here to see your daughter. What? We, we just got rats in the attic, right? Cut to a close-up of Father Marin as he looks inward. Rats in the attic. Still using that trick, eh, old friend? <laughs> right. And he just comes in before they even know that there's right. a demon he's exercising. They're like, well, that was very strange. Thanks for yep. exercising the rats or whatever yeah. you did. Thanks for blessing like, the how rats. How did you – how did you – did it? like from rats to – to like the bed shaking we didn't even the bed hasn't even started shaking yet like what yeah but yeah like nowadays you can't sneeze without someone suggesting exorcism bless you yeah it's like the first thing they turn to the the priests definitely do not keep it in the closet as an embarrassment today right it's it's almost become like the and i'm talking about movies people right but like it's almost become like the only thing they do right you see a catholic priest in a horror movie right that's 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 what this is. That's what's right. that's what's going on, right? Mm-hmm. So now the question is not like when did exorcists and exorcism enter the public consciousness? It's when did exorcists become Ghostbusters? Ghostbusters? Yeah. Do you, do you think it's after Ghostbusters? Maybe I, uh, like that's a catchy song. First of all, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> a catchy song that we can't hum at all. <laughs> uh, why? Because we get sued? You think? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. We could do our, we could do our, yeah. uh, our, 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 you all know. I'm saying, all I'm saying, Keenan, mm-hmm. is that here in Georgetown, there's something strange <laughs> in this neighborhood. <laughs> Who are you going to call? The Exorcist. Ba, 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 ba. Is that close enough without getting yeah, yeah. sued? Ba, 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 It would be. Oh yeah, that's good. Those are two different. I was trying to delete notes, and you're adding notes. I think that's a that's a good combo. We we just mash up tubular bells and the Ghostbusters theme, right? And there we a perfect place for Pazuzu. We got just take out Slimer, and he's just he's just at the buffet table. He's like, oh yeah, Slimer. Slimer became so popular. He's a bad guy in this movie. He, he slimes is. him. He slimes mm-hmm. Ray. Uh-huh. Oh no, uh-huh. he slimes. Uh, oh god. Oh god. We're gonna get. Oh, we're gonna get so many emails. He oh, slimes Peter. No. Peter. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He slimes Peter Bankman. Yes. 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 Oh, god. Right? He oh, slimes me. Yeah. Phew. <laughs> Bill Murray. Yes. He yes. slimes Bill Murray. Right. <laughs> right. But he he's a bad guy, and then he he becomes mm-hmm. like the. Um, like they do to Iago in the Aladdin sequels. He just exactly. He, we love him so much. He just mm-hmm. has to has to be our little buddy from now on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, folks, this is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You take you take a a a a supernatural, maybe not horror, but like supernatural adventure or or a, a supernatural comedy like Beetlejuice, or mm-hmm. and you make the bad guy into this goofy. Um, uh, mischievous mm-hmm. uh, little guy, and 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 there you go. Now you can now you can uh, package it and sell it to kids, guys. <laughs> Captain Howdy is is made for this. <laughs> the next Beetlejuice cartoon, this generation's Beetlejuice cartoon. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, right? Is Him and Ray, 1950 or a 50 year old character. <laughs> that's what the kids really want. <laughs> that nobody knows about, right? But that's see, that's the that's that's the the joke is that like he's he's a boomer and he's trying to he's a boomer demon and he's trying to he's trying to like get in with the no we decided he's a kid right like yeah with his with his little backwards <laughs> well he's trying yeah he's trying to yeah oh <laughs> uh, captain howdy that's just sad come on well, that sounds like age discrimination what this is yeah <laughs> i don't look a day over 3005 <laughs> yeah anyway 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 yeah um but yeah, uh, yeah. So, so now Chris's response 
to this, right? So, so he said he needs approval from the church, and that's rarely given. And her response, again, is this beautiful, pitiful bit of acting. Chris makes this noise like she's trying, she's trying to say, well, mm-hmm. but it comes out halfway between that and like a sigh and a sob. Right. And she's been holding a handkerchief, and now she she brings it back up to her face again. And behind that, you can kind of see her rallying again, thinking how she's she's going to go on. She hasn't given up. And after a second, she she brings the handkerchief back down, and she asks, could you see her? Again, Damien turns away as he says, yes, I could, and only turns back on the word psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. I could see her as a psychiatrist, right? Again, I'm trying to. I'm. I'm. I'm making note of this uh, on on this watch through of of Karis's turning away um, from from things from from painful truths or scary truths, mm-hmm. right? Of like you could do this. You could you you could uh, be the hero. No, right. no, I can't. Right. Um, and and yeah. So this is the line that does it for Chris and and for us, right? We feel her frustration. We have been with her this whole time, and she has gone from doctor to doctor, from doctors to radiologists to psychiatrists and hypnotists. And when Damien says he can see Reagan as a psychiatrist, we're like, no, <laughs> not this again. The movie did a great job getting us here, so that when he says that, we. As much as we love him, we are now fed up. Right. Chris, Chris is right. She needs a priest, and you are a priest, Dimmy, whether you like it or not. So go save this little girl. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we don't need another man around here being a psychiatrist telling God. her what to do, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, I like this crumbling of Ellen Burstyn, right? She's just completely mm. – and yeah, we have this idea, again, in popular culture of her being hysterical. I think it's a little – you know, the moments where she does – I don't I don't want to even say that she is hysterical, right? But the moments mm. where she does let her emotions out, it reminds me of this, um, this metaphor that our acting teacher, Michael Tyler, used to talk about of mm. like – you know, it's not very watchable for me to like, I'm going to come on as an actor. I'm going to be like, let me show you my emotions. Right? I have all these feelings. Right. And that's what, you know, most actors get into acting because they like being able to express their emotions in front of other people. Right. In right. this like safe way. So like, it's very um, seductive for actors to go out there. And I'm going to just show you all these feelings I have. Right. Mm-hmm. But Michael Tyler used to talk about it as, as like, well, what you're actually trying to do is to, to recognize your feelings, mm-hmm. um, you know, what you want to do and think of it as a basket ball that you're submerging in a swimming pool right Ah. yeah that's like i'm gonna keep this like we do in real life right we keep our emotions down even when we are a theater person and we we are very theatrical and we go into bars and like i am here right (laughs) we're (laughs) we're really masking what's really going on right so and the deeper you submerge a basketball underwater in a swimming pool right the more it wants to get out and the harder you have to force it down and then eventually you can't anymore and it comes out right Right. so rather than trying to and engineer emotional outbursts um his advice right to actors is to actually try to engineer repression yes right and then you'll just naturally find a spot without you necessarily being in control of it where it comes out yes uh keenan that is uh thank you for bringing that up that is that is something that um it it, yeah folks folks listen to what keenan is saying and and what michael tylo is saying in real life you do your absolute best not to cry, mm-hmm. right? You do your absolute best to hold back and 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 hide um, when you are hurt, when you are vulnerable, when when you have been cut or when you have been like stripped raw, mm-hmm. and and you want to you want to put on that face of like you know this doesn't phase me, this doesn't affect me, right? Mm-hmm. And and it, it's so much more effective when you see actors who are holding back tears when they are when they are trying their best because that that gets us right we're watching the the screen and we see that this person is is trying their best to be brave mm-hmm. or they are trying to again like like you know going back to the those horrible hospital scenes mm-hmm. where uh Linda Blair knew that like she would she would get to us much much more effectively if she was Reagan holding back and trying not to to give in to the the fear and the pain right. of of you know uh, being under all of these machines and all of these doctors and everything right. like that and that just that just broke our hearts yeah, we like, she's oh my being God, strong for her for her mother 
And then right. there's moments where she can't. It's like, oh, God, well, of course she can't, little girl, right? Like, it's, yeah, it's right? awful. It's terrible noises. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and so, yeah, like, no, exactly what Michael Tyler was saying. I like that metaphor, the, the mm-hmm. basketball. I've never heard of that mm-hmm, before. But yeah, like trying to, trying to hold it down. Because it is there. And if you do your work as an actor, it will emerge eventually. Right. Um, and it will emerge at a natural point rather than um, – maybe too early mm. and and too strong um and that's always like you can kind of tell you know when when a person is faking if they if, mm-hmm. if the crying comes a little bit too easily right you're like wow you know this is this is this is an act isn't this right you know <laughs> I, i've heard that described both as pushing like you're trying to push out your emotions and also pulling like you're trying to pull from like maybe like a rehearsal where it did work or um mm-hmm. you know if you're on stage like last week it, it works and now you're trying to pull it from the air right yeah yeah <laughs> So and and yeah, folks like like any any aspiring actors out there, right? Who are, uh, you know, maybe maybe a little uh, uh, upset that they that they can't cry on cue, mm-hmm. like um, you know, like the best student in class. Right? <laughs> Don't worry because mm-hmm. that's not going to serve you as much as you think it is. Yeah, right. That's the because it's it's going to look fake, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. But no, oh, very good point, Keenan. Um, yeah, and again, folks, the fact that Chris is here asking for a priest with total sincerity, right? She doesn't say, oh, Father, I know all this exorcism stuff is, is bullshit. I, mm-hmm. But but the dachshund said maybe you could put on a show and it would make her stop behaving like this, right? Mm-hmm. Like how she continues, right? She voices our exasperation. She says she's already seen every fucking psychiatrist in mm-hmm. the world and they sent her to you, Dimmy. Now, as she's saying this, he looks away again, and I thought, oh, boy, here we go. Another character who can't look Chris in the eye. But no, because he does turn back. Mm-hmm. He might only have been scanning the crowd if, if, you know, to see if anyone was watching. And now he's back and he is giving her all of his attention. It's actually the most anyone except Reagan has given her. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, now he, he tries to get in even closer. He says, now, you don't see, you don't understand your daughter. He's trying his best to get through to her, but not in the same way that the docs Mm-hmm. He's he's sitting with her. His body language. He's he's a hundred percent focused and attentive, and he's trying to make her understand what mm-hmm. he believes to be the truth. Right? But guys, Chris has been down this road before. We've been down this road before. We are done. We need Damien to help Chris right now. And so when she says, "Oh God, can't you just help her? Just help her," in that desperate pleading, but also just fed up with the world way. Mm-hmm. We are right there with her. Again, as much as the, you know, the parodies like to paint her as, as hysterical. Hysterical. We have now seen, we have now been with her throughout this thing. And if anything, this reaction right here is less of an explosion and more of a fizzling out. Mm-hmm. She is running out of steam. Yeah. And, and Karis is her last hope. Um, yeah. And, and the last shot of this scene is Chris falling into Karis's shoulder, sobbing, right? You you really get the impression that there was nothing left in here, mm-hmm. in her. She has been running on fumes for a good while and she just ran out. It's it's just lucky that Karis was there to catch her because I don't think like where she is now is a place to get back up from. If right. Karis wasn't on that bench, she would just fall over and not get back up, right? Right. Maybe earlier in the movie, she could have approached him in in this more like collaborative, like let's work together way. Maybe she could have given him a little bit of that, you know, that Chris McNeil steal, right? That that she gave yeah. the docs, right? But now it's just like, I am leaving it up to you. I am falling on you, literally on your shoulder, on your mercy. And I just hope that you help me back up. Yeah, before we leave this scene, I just wanted to point out, right, like you talked about collaboration, which I think is a, a good word here, right? Mm-hmm. Because the just the framing or the staging, rather, of the scenes with the doctors, it's often Chris across the desk or mm-hmm. when at the Behringer uh, Clinic. Um, and foundation. And foundation, right? It, it, it is this, um, it, it's... She is at the table, but it's this giant, you know, round. T- it doesn't really feel like like she's part of the team, right? So they're trying right. more. But here, you know, to stage this outside in, in Georgetown in a more collegiate environment, and um, and then to have this big breakdown here, you know, there they are um, on this 
this bench together facing the mm. same direction. It's not it's not like where we're in the other ones where we're divided by um, by desks, by space, by mm-hmm. strange um, by strange hallways or by mm. glass. You know where right. where it's us versus Reagan through this glass rather than working together. So I, mm. I think that's really interesting that we have. Um, yeah, yeah, they're on they're in this together. Yeah. Yeah. Or like even with the previous psychiatrist that we had, right, where um, it is a psychiatrist versus Reagan in the throne and Chris is in the right. corner, right? And everyone is sort of uh, afraid to even be there and they're, mm-hmm. uh, everything is like tense, right? And here, like, yeah. yes, there's t- a different kind of tension, but at least we're all facing the same direction and we're, yes, yeah, we're right. with each other. Facing the same direction uh, figuratively, mm-hmm. but like literally like uh, their physical bodies are kind of like like – Facing towards no, each other. Yeah, that is, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're on this bench together where, you know, and, and, and we're going to be like, oh, we're to figure out the specifics of this. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's, we are, you know, we're holding each other by the end of this. Yes, yes. And yeah, so, so yeah, she falls into his arms mm-hmm. and, and, you know, her, her view is, is basically obscured by uh, his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And so the camera is looking at his eyes. We see his eyes and you see it in his face, right? right. This is, a familiar role for him. He mm-hmm. has done this all his life, self- selflessly helping others, right? Taking on their burdens. And here we go again. Mm-hmm. But he can't not do it. Right. right? This, that's just not in him, right? Um, despite him not helping Vinnie Russell in the beginning, um, <laughs> although he did in the book, but you know, we're just we're just we're just gonna just move past that. You know, whatever, right? Um, I'm sure he doesn't feel guilty about that. Oh, at sure, all, not at right? all. I'm sure that's not gonna come back up at some point. No, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> now we cut from there to a close up of a door opening. It's the front door of the house. Chris appears. She's still in her scarf and glasses. She hurries in and Karis follows. Now, as she closes the door, she again takes off her glasses. And mm-hmm. this is the first time we get to see clearly those those sad, scared, hurt, hurt physically and, you know, emotionally and tired eyes right right? and we like i said we also see now the bruise because that's what it is folks that's the bruise on her cheek from when her own daughter hit her across the face and across the room Mm -hmm. and i realized on this viewing that they never really call attention to it right another movie you would have a close-up on her face Mm -hmm. as she takes off the glasses father karis it's my daughter Right, mm-hmm. or maybe we get Karis's reaction as she takes them off, and then a shot of her face. But it's right. it's, it, it's not it, it's very unceremonial here. She just takes off the glasses once she's inside the house, and that's it. And yeah. and and we, the audience in the theater, are like, oh Jesus, yeah. And as she's walking into this house, the bruise is, is on the side facing the camera, so it's like, yeah. and we're really really close in her face. So we we mm-hmm. can't we can't avoid seeing it. Yeah, yeah. Now there's a moment here. No words exchanged, right? Um, Karis, he gets in and he looks around. Um, and like the last we see of him, he, he kind of looks up, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, and so Chris moves past him and we move in really close as she looks up, right? She looks up at what? Now, ever since we entered the house, we can hear it, this eerie, asphyxiated breathing, Right. Just just hearing it makes you feel like you're having trouble breathing. Right. Like not only that, but it's it's got this inhuman quality to it. I mean, obviously inhuman. Yeah. But <laughs> but what I mean is it, it doesn't have the rhythm and the cadence of actual breath. It truly does feel like something that's going on in the background, like the the humming of a machine or mm-hmm. the ticking of a clock, right? And we don't yet know where it's coming from. That's the crazy thing. It seems to be just as loud downstairs as upstairs. It's right. it's taken it's taken over the whole house. Or or it's like we're already with the person making that breathing. We're hearing it in our head as we watch these people ascend the stairs. Now, before we do that, before we go up, I just want to call out again this amazing bit of camera work here where Chris passes in front of Karis, looks up, and the camera moves in close so that her face fills the screen. We focus on her face, follow her to the stairs, then the camera stops as she ascends, turning back to indicate for Karis to follow, but there's a moment after she leaves the frame, which is now like this blurry gray nothing because it was focused on her face. And then 
Karis steps into that frame as he, too, ascends those steps. And here the camera begins to move again. We're following him now. It's almost like this, like, passing of the baton. Right. Right? It's like we follow Kar- we follow Chris to the bottom of the steps, and then, and then the camera stops, and she goes up, and then Karis fills the frame, and then we begin following again. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, but not for long. As, as we cut here, and now we are upstairs. We are, in fact, down the hall and right outside Reagan's room, peering down the banister at these two people coming up the stairs, right? On, mm. Now, we could see into, if I have the geography right, we could see that fireplace yes. in, in Chris's room, or yes. well, we, uh, I think it's Chris's room. Yeah, yeah, no, that's Chris's room, and we've seen this before where she's on the phone with Howard, and, and mm-hmm. you had pointed out that there was a picture of Reagan above the fireplace, yes. and now it's mm-hmm. gone. And now it's gone. Yeah, it is. Captain Howdy um, finally got, like, she, Chris took the pillows away. And <laughs> That's right. Finally it's got falling it. down, yeah. And it's like, but they replaced it with the mirror, which is, I, I don't know. Hmm. It, it might not mean anything, of course. It might have been like, well, the the set decorator and the production designer, art, art director, like, well, we took that, that picture down, right, because it's been falling off. But now we just have a blank spot there. So we better put something. But, something you know, but in the, re- in the you know, reality of the movie, the digesis, right? It, mm. It's like, oh, the picture of Reagan's fallen off, but somehow in all of this mess, we've taken the time to replace it with a mirror mm-hmm. <laughs> to put some other glass above there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, an even more breakable thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Seven years, this one, yeah. <laughs> I, say that word again, Keenan. Diegesis? What? I'm sorry. That's like a film theory sort of term, diegesis, D-I-E-G-I-G-E-S-I-S. And that just means like the world of the film itself. So we talked about like non-diegetic sound is like sound, sound uh, the musical score and, and stuff like that, as opposed to the diegetic sound, which is what the characters can actually hear as if we were there with them. Right. I Oh, I didn't really. Of course, yeah. It's related to diegetic. Diegetic. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's all related to so diegesis and like mimesis and, you know, it's all it's all Greeks. Sh- Wait, now explain that. <laughs> uh, you've heard of it as mimesis, probably, which is like the um, the that's how Gollum the- says mimes. <laughs> The ancient Greek idea we went of down the, the street <laughs> in Paris, and we saw the mimesis, precious. He was pushing on a wall, but there was no wall. <laughs> he took our ring and he made it disappear. We want it. <laughs> That's so silly. <laughs> uh, it's the mimus is precious. Okay, sorry. Well, it's okay. No, it's perfect. So my in my mesis or mimesis, it, that's mm-hmm. like the imitation of the imitation of life, of um, you know, of like um the the idea that art imitates life and what we're trying to reproduce there. So it's these are ancient like Greek Aristotelian. I think they, I think actually that goes before. I think it's Plato. Um, now that. describe Aristotelian. No, I'm just <laughs> no, but I love these. Thank you, Keenan. I love I love when I I learn mm-hmm. uh, uh, about film terminology as well. Okay, good. Uh, and, and just you know, and, and the mechanics and oh, and the, good, and and the structure. Try not to bore stuff. people. <laughs> no, no, people people have uh, written in and said they love that stuff. I so, hope so. So yeah, yeah. Born myself. I want to move on. <laughs> you keep on shoveling that uh, that that film terminology and that film history, and I'll keep shoveling whatever it is I shovel. Oh I no, know. I love that mm. stuff—the religion and all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking about like the, the stupid puns. <laughs> oh, please, please, please. Yeah, I, I have. I think grad school um, broke me from writing puns, so, <laughs> so I, I need them. Leaving it up to me. Yeah, right. I need them definitely. Yeah, yeah. It is my burden. To, it is my cross to bear. Um, Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. I was okay, <laughs> but you were talking about you were talking about diegetic, right? And we yeah. were comparing, right? Okay. So yeah, like like um, uh, diegetic is is Chris uh, listening, uh, you know, to something on the radio, mm-hmm. and non diegetic is uh, say like tubular bells, right? Right. Imagine imagine she's walking down that uh, that uh, that street in Washington, mm-hmm. and, she, and she suddenly and she stops and she's like, what the hell? <laughs> Is that right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then she starts walking again. It's like it's like God. What? The-? Well, here's the problem, Miss McNeil. Your daughter seems to be accompanied by uh, Paul Oldenfield here. And- 
<laughs> the power of new wave music, uh, you know. <laughs> right, right. When we we uh, open up her um her her neck spigot and the the blood the, the cerebral sp- spinal fluid comes out along uh-huh. with notes from tubular bells. <laughs> like, oh god, it's coming out! It's coming out everywhere. <laughs> Oh, thank you, Doctor. I just couldn't get that music out of my head. <laughs> and there we go, folks. There's there's the pun. Right. Yeah, but in the in the in the digesis of this world, right, they, mm-hmm. they have spent time putting this mirror above the fireplace where it it really is like just probably an art director's choice. Mm-hmm. Like, well, there's a big so it'd be like um like <laughs> Willie lugging this mirror up there. It's like, <laughs> Willie, why the hell are you putting that mirror up? It's like, oh, well, there's a big blank spot for the camera. <laughs> <laughs> the camera. What? The, I, I don't have time to. I don't have time really? for this today, Willie. We'll talk about this camera business later. <laughs> she's again with the object permanence, and Chris. Like <laughs> she's just missing this entire film crew in the house. Right, exactly. <laughs> she doesn't realize that sometimes there are no ceilings. <laughs> exactly. She doesn't look up. She never looks up. Like, yeah, she sees the ceiling. She's like, "What the hell is that?" <laughs> this, <laughs> The ceiling, madam. <laughs> the the ceiling again. I have no time when for this. When did we have one of these installed? <laughs> we, I have a very sick daughter. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I like to think. Okay, so we're we're talking about the diegesis of the film. Mm-hmm. I kind of like to think. Uh, what if what if all of the pictures of Reagan mm-hmm. in the house are now taken down because Chris can't? She just can't like look at them. I think you that's know? a great answer. But like, why? That, why put something up in its why place? Put, <laughs> put a mirror. It's like you did this. You did this. Stupid, Chris. Stupid, stupid, Chris. stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> I got. I got. I got to focus on my next role. I can't. I can't be thinking about my sick daughter. It's like okay. All right, Father Karras. It's it's my daughter. I I have to. Couldn't you just help her? I I. No, 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 no. I don't know where I'm going with that. (laughs) That's not an act. We just talked about how that's not an act. (laughs) She's like, and see. (laughs) And you just hear from the the other room. Mm -hmm. That was really good, Mom. (laughs) Did a great job fooling that priest again, Mom. (laughs) I definitely bought it. I was really invested. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Um, uh, okay, so we're back in this minute. We're upstairs now. Now, on the left, we see a couple of paintings not hung up, right? Just mm-hmm. leaning against the, the the wall, and then on the table, what looks like a dresser drawer, mm-hmm. right? The house is between stages of being broken and put back together. That's a great right? way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or, or maybe like also like various stages of being put away mm-hmm. as we're going to see in, in, in another shot really soon. Um, and we get another muffled crash as we cut now to over Chris's shoulder. We see more disarray at the un- other end of the hall. We see something big and bulky. Not, not Carl. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm talking about the thing under the tarp by the window. Right. And we can guess that that's the chest of drawers that attacked Chris in the previous scene. And we see that that Carl is coming down from the attic, right? He appears to be in the process of moving all of the broken or breakable Mm -hmm. furniture up there. So we are seeing now an explanation for the emptying of this place, folks, right? We talked before about how these same familiar spaces seem strange and alien the further into the movie we get. And mm-hmm. now we can see sort of, um, well, yeah, an in-world, a diegetic, diegesis. Di- di- diegetic. Diegetic. Okay, I was right the first time. Yeah, A diegetic explanation for that, right. that they, they are being cleared out. Right, they are they are clearing out all of the precious things, mm-hmm. all the memories, the picture frames, the little breakable things, and they are stowing them away. And as a result, the house is undergoing a transformation alongside Reagan herself. Right, all the little details that make a house a home are being removed. What do you? Th- well, yeah. What, what, what do we think of that? Yeah, and it starts to look Lester like an insane asylum, doesn't it? That we yeah. have had and everything. So, like that is one of her fears, right? We're going to put my daughter away into some insane asylum, and then mm-hmm. you know, unfortunately, to do it your own way, you have to turn your house into an insane asylum. Right? Yeah. Like, every, yeah, you're right. Yeah, like padded padded furniture, everything, everything kind of like the sharp edges all removed and all that stuff. Wow. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and that I don't know why she doesn't get rid of that. Um, 
chest of drawers armoire thing. I would never want to see that guy again because no, no. that's the thing that broke my back, like literally yeah. broke my back for the rest of mm. my life. So Mm-mm. get Mm-mm. that out of here. Well, that mm, broke. Well, no, Ellen Burstyn's back. Well, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, like I, I think, I think um, she fell. She fell to the wall. Mm-hmm. It was there. It attacked her after. <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying. No, yeah. No. I'm saying get rid of all of this. I don't want to see any of this ever again. Right. It's going <laughs> to okay. remind her right. of, the, of the moment, right? Yeah, absolutely. And folks, if we're talking uh, Ellen Burstyn mm-hmm. and not Chris McNeil, right. um, we know who broke her back. And that's, that's Billy Friedkin. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not this. Yeah, but she can't fire Billy Friedkin because you fire this chest of drawers. Like, yeah, she can fire it right out the window. Get her like, out of here. <laughs> yeah. You'll never work in this house again. Yeah. This is a Beauty and the Beast situation. She would mm-hmm. change that thing back to its human form. Exactly. And then break its back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Let, let, let's get back to the transformation of this house. Right. right. And, you know, this is one of the most famous houses in cinema, right? So mm-hmm. it is, yeah. you know, as famous as like Xanadu from Citizen Kane mm-hmm. or the the Bates Motel and the Bates House, right? right. Or um, yeah. Yeah. I think of Norma Desmond's house in Sunset Boulevard, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We get to know this house so well. So we've been spending a lot of time in this house. We've, you know, again, people make uh, layouts for this house and they analyze mm-hmm. the architecture of it, even though it doesn't actually exist. And now right. we have this huge turning point where we say like, okay, now it's going to look a certain way for the rest of the film. And yes. so unlike Xanadu, uh, the Bates Motel, et cetera, our very famous haunted house goes through a change. So we see mm. it before and we see it afterwards. Um, yeah. so, so we'll just try to keep an eye on, on that. Yeah. On all the stuff that is, uh, that is, that is missing mm-hmm. and all the little differences. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, now as we see, Carl is in the process of taking all of that stuff up to the attic. Mm-hmm. He grabs a lamp and he straightens up when he sees Madame has come up the stairs. Um, he holds it in front of him almost defensively. <laughs> um, and he says, as, as we cut uh, to over his shoulder, it wants no straps. What? <laughs> I, so, <clears throat> let, let, let me say that again, right? Madam, it has been a long day. There's dust up there, and it has gotten into my pipes. Right. Uh, yeah. She goes full xenophobic. She's like, speak English! Karis <laughs> <laughs> is like, I gotta go. Right. But as you pointed out in the um at the beginning of our, our episode here, right? Not hello, this is Carl. This is, <laughs> this is yeah, like I think that's really interesting, right? It's just like you know, first impressions. Um <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hi, Carl, we have a guest. <laughs> right. This is this is Father Damien Karras. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. But he, he you know, they've got a lot going on in this house. They right do. Now, so. Yeah. 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 And this is, I mean, again, yeah, just to get into to Karras's head here, mm-hmm. he has never seen the house any other way. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. He has never. And, and uh, Chris is going to mention this later. He has never met Reagan. Right. Right. Even when he meets Reagan, he's not meeting Reagan. That's a great right? point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So so Carl says it wants no straps. Mm-hmm. Right. We have we have finally des- deduced. That's uh, that's what he, <laughs> what he says. Right. I knew it because I read the book. But, uh-huh. um, I was it so he just said it yeah like what is going what is going on that in is this so house? interesting right he and and like it. and yes and what is in that room mm-hmm. we'll have to wait until the next minute to find out folks mm-hmm. um and folks this is a minute you do not want to miss this is the minute i think all of us have been anticipating mm-hmm. it is the one i've been waiting for i got it marked in my book of blatty but for today, listeners, that is all of my notes. Keenan, I just realized it is getting a little chilly in here. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else before we get out of here? No, I think we got it. All right, yeah. Let's uh, let's leave these these folks to um, to their uh, their their house cleaning. <laughs> and uh, folks, this has been another excellent Exorcist minute. I've been Lester Ryan Clark. You can reach me on all the socials as Lester Ryan Clark, and I've been Keenan Diaz. And you can find me on Instagram and in Letterbox as Howdy Keenan. Yes, uh, we got our listener group, compelling conversations. Go check that out and request to join on Facebook, and we'll let you in here with us. Um, we're also on all the socials now as the Exorcist Minute, um, uh, or Twitter uh, at Exorcist Minute, right? But then we're also on uh, uh, Instagram and TikTok. So uh, so yeah, so check those out as well. Um, and thank you so much to everyone who has shared the show by word of mouth or on social media. And a big thank you to everyone who has given us a five-star rating on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to our show. We really appreciate that. It's going to help our little podcast grow and find more cool people like you. Okay.
Keenan, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I think I am, Lester. Folks, until next time, the the power power of Ghostbusters compels you. Something strange in the Middle East. No, you can keep going. Who are you going to call? Oh, I'm becoming. I'm becoming. Um, what's his name? Christopher. Wow. Wow. Oh, you got a. What is who's gonna sue us first? <laughs> I can't. <laughs> yeah, he's put that under all that. <laughs> Got a shaking bed and a spinning head. Who are you gonna call? We can't say. <laughs> They're litigious. <laughs> <laughs> um uh you got a weird white face sneering on your range <laughs> who are you gonna call <laughs> those guys <laughs> I don't believe in no God. <laughs> <laughs>